Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We're in a series called Fitly Joined, and uh, this is part five called Fruitful. And 46 years ago, believe it or not, uh, 46 years ago, the first time I'd ever been asked to speak, to preach, it was at a youth meeting in Ipswich in Queensland. I was on the team and they asked me to speak. I'd never done it ever before. And I spoke on a verse that has challenged me every year, uh, frequently throughout the years of those last 46. It's Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. And it says this, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I believe it's not talking only about an eternal rest of heaven that awaits every believer in Christ, but I believe it's speaking also about a better way of living while we are here on the earth as believers. How do I do this thing called the Christian life? Jesus certainly did not live out of struggle, out of pressure, out of stress out of, you know, trying to. John 13 verse 3 says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, that was His present. And that He had come from God, that was His past. And that He was going to God, that was His future. That Jesus, out of all of that, out of knowing not only that his past was in the hands of God, that his future was in the hands of God, but knowing that even right now, we've just been singing, you know, with every breath that I am able, I'll sing of the, of the goodness of God. That means right now, no matter what's going on, Jesus is about to go to the cross, but he says even this minute of difficulty, this moment of, of, of challenge, He says, I know that the Father is in control. You might say, well, what on earth has all that got to do with fiddly joined? And I'd say it's got a lot to do with it because so many Christians live lives of struggle, struggling to be worthy, struggling to be good enough, struggling to be spiritual enough, always feeling like somehow or other they almost get there but don't quite make it. They're almost worthy, but not quite worthy. Almost good enough. And so we can live lives of trying to do more and to be better. And that verse has always challenged me. There remains, therefore, a rest under the people of God. That there is a place of walking with God where it's not about my struggle. It's about resting in who He is. And what he's done. This here, because I've been showing you almost every week something that my father built. As we're talking about fitly joined, well, I thought I'd show you something else that my father did. This was a painting my father painted. Now, I don't think, as far as I know, I haven't inherited the artistic gene. Maybe I have. I haven't tried it so well. But he painted this framed it and then sent it to me many, many years ago. 
it would be foolish of any of us to suggest that somehow or other this painting is the result of randomness. That somehow or other, you know, dad sat there with his eyes closed and dabbled the brush in his palette and then flung paint towards the canvas and it ended up like that. And yet so many people would have you believe that much of your life is random. They want you to believe that at the moment. Well, it's all up to you or, well, you know, who knows? How can you tell how it's going to end up? You don't believe that painting as simple as it is. You don't believe that's random and yet you can believe that your life is random. No, we are fitly joined together. There is a deliberateness. Listen to me. There is an intentionality about your life. Maybe right, listen to me, right now maybe it does not appear that there's much of intention by God happening in your world. But God is the God who says, I turn evil into good. What the enemy meant for evil, God says, I'll bring good out of that. For we know that all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose, them that love God. So in the middle of what may look like random to you, God says, no, there's intentionality. But Hebrews 4.9 says, there remains a rest. And, and I wonder to myself, how do I enter into rest? Have I just got to spend the rest of my life trying a little bit harder? A week ago, I began thinking about this next verse, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Let me read it to you. It says, Then the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, first man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And I asked myself the question, what on earth did Adam have to do? He didn't have to water the garden. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6 says that prior to the flood, a mist went up from the ground and watered the whole earth. Adam had a built-in reticulation system. He never had to turn it on. He never had to reset it after a blackout. It just happened. The entire garden got watered and he had no responsibility for that. I know that he never had to weed it. Because it's after the fall in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 that after the fall, it says that thorns and thistles and, and, and weeds started to spring up. Before then, the only thing in the garden was plants that bore fruit. So I ask you again, what on earth do you think Adam did? When God said, I've put you there, intentionality. I've put you in this place. Your job is to tend it and to dress it. But you don't have to water it and you don't have to weed it. You don't have to fertilise it. Well, I don't know what, how your mind works, but my mind works by going, what on earth does that mean? And what did he do? Walk around all day admiring it? Well, that's pretty amazing. Look at that tree. Look at that fruit. 
that's, you know, that's a breadfruit. That's a durian. Don't eat it. It's disgusting. I, actually, I believe the durian before the fall was a grapefruit. And those of you who've never tasted it, you have no idea what you're missing. What was Adam's job? You go, Jeff, where are you going with all this? Well, you'll find out in a second. Because I believe it's got profound implications for my life today in 2021. For how I follow God. For what I think my job is. For how I go about seeing fruitfulness. So how fitly joined can produce what it says in Ephesians 4. A body that replicates itself and is healthy. One where there's not disorder and brokenness, but a life where the things of God just seem to flow. So I go back to Genesis 2 and verse 15, where it says he put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. The problem with some of the translations of the scripture is that they used words that have changed in their meaning over time. Doesn't mean the Bible's wrong. It just means you've got to dig a little bit below the surface sometime and say, but what did that word mean when it was written? The words tend and keep here, look them up. They literally mean to guard and to keep in order. Adam's job wasn't to water it, to weed it. Adam's job was to stand guard over the garden and to make sure that no disorder got into the garden. His job wasn't to make it fruitful. His job was to keep out that which would destroy fruitfulness. His job was to stand guard and say, no, that can't come in here. That will destroy this pristine place of paradise. So, so I'm going to stand guard over that. It's not to make fruitfulness happen. That's a given. His job is to keep out the things that bring disorder. You say, well, what could possibly have brought disorder in the garden? Isn't it interesting? This is another entire message. But isn't it interesting that God let there be a serpent in his paradise? Here comes the serpent. And when the serpent comes, notice the first thing that he says to Eve. The first words that the serpent utters are these. Has God said? Genesis 3.1. Has God indeed said? Verse 4 of chapter 3. The next thing the serpent says. You won't die. In other words, that won't happen. You don't tr have to trust God. What God said, well, why would you bank your life on a word that God spoke? Why would you rely on something that He spoke? We all know the way the story unfolds. But the truth is that doubt was about to bring disorder 
into the place of perfection. What God had set up so that fruitfulness was a flow, unending, is about to get interrupted. And in its place of ease, all Adam's got to do is stop disorder. After the fall, after disorder comes, now it's all struggle. Now it's all work harder. And even what you work hard for will never be enough. We live in lives that sometimes seem like no matter how much we get, it's never enough. There remains, therefore, a rest under the people of God. When Adam and Eve failed to keep out the things that caused disorder, fruitfulness becomes difficult. When Adam and Eve say yes to the doubt, to the mistrust, when Adam and Eve say, well, maybe not for me, maybe I'm not sure, maybe for others, but I'm not, whatever you might add onto the end of that sentence, when Adam and Eve welcome that in, fruitfulness all of a sudden disappears in large measure. Let me take you now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's gathered to him his 12 disciples, his team, the people who are going to launch this wonderful thing called the kingdom of God because they go on a kingdom of God journey now for the next three and a half years. Jesus keeps talking about the kingdoms like this, the kingdoms like this. They're all going, what kingdom? The only one we know is Herod's. We, we remember David who was king, but that's so long ago. And Jesus goes around saying, let me tell you about the kingdom. Let me tell you what the kingdom's like. Now, with that in mind, you're going to need your brain a little bit today. Let's read Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not the body more than food? Isn't the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you or you, oh, you of little faith? Therefore, watch this, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles, the unbelievers seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Jesus takes seven verses in the first speech that he makes to the team. It's orientation week. He's saying, guys, gather around. Let me tell you how the kingdom works. And out of all the things he could land on and emphasise, this is the one he says, watch out for worry and fear. Watch out. They will destroy your fruitfulness. They will take away that which the kingdom 
makes a flow of, and instead of that, you'll spend the rest of your life struggling. He's saying to these guys, you've got to get out of the mindset you've grown up with and take on a different one, the mindset of the kingdom. Is this making any sense yet to anyone here? He spends six or seven verses saying, whatever you do, keep out doubt. The thing that Adam and Eve let in, has God said, you won't die. He says, keep out doubt and worry and fear. And then listen to the way he finishes it off. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his, now watch this, and his righteousness. He just finished saying, keep out worry, keep out doubt, keep out fear. He says, if you do that and put the kingdom first, watch what it says, all these things will be added unto you. He says, if you keep those out, fruitfulness is the automatic result. If I'll keep those things out, I'll be fruitful. If I'll keep them out. Now listen, he didn't say, if you keep those out, your life will be sweet, you'll win lotto tomorrow. And everyone in the universe will love you. He did not say that. He said, I'd be fruitful no matter what. Uh, Psalms says this, that a believer is fruitful regardless of the season they're in. Doesn't matter what season it is out there. It's good season in here. Keep out the things that cause disorder because success is not the result of our struggles, but it's the result of the work of the Holy Spirit unhindered in our world. This week I had a couple of days where uh, I was told I needed to take some time off, and uh, so I did. And uh, just put up the first pick here because I don't do nothing well. Uh, this here is a garden that's between our house and our neighbours, and it's always looked bedraggled. And so I asked them a couple of years ago, do you mind if I... If I turn it into a garden, put some retic in there because I don't have the mist that comes up from the earth. They looked at me and said, are you kidding? Knock yourself out. Go for it. So two years ago, I dug it all out and I planted some geraniums in there or pelagoniums. Don't ask me which is which, but it's something. And I, I picked them because they're so easy to grow. Even people with black thumbs can you know, they'll grow, they'll, you won't kill them. Peace breaks off, stick it in the ground, it just grows. It's like the Garden of Eden. But you know, I came out this week and that's what it looks like. The cooch that will not grow. In the patch down where I take the bins out to the front of the curb once a week. That patch, why won't it grow there? But look how prolific it is. That's one tiny snippet of the garden. I spent a day and a half pulling out cooch. God bless cooch. It's the result of the fall. 
show the next picture. Oh, look at that. Now, since then, I finished the job. I took those pics on, I think, uh, Wednesday. And since then, I finished the job and I've put mulch down. And now it looks like something out of better homes and gardens. Charlie is asking my help in the next episode for sure. But you know what? I could not believe how while I wasn't watching, my garden got overgrown. I couldn't believe how infested it got. All of a sudden, I think I put eight, those big, you know the big plastic buckets, the big ones? I put eight of those full of cooch in my bin. Because while I wasn't watching, while I wasn't paying attention, Weed sprang up. I discovered some of the geraniums, by the way, had dried up because the cooch had taken out all that was meant for their flourishing had gone into the cooch instead. Cooch, by the way, if you don't know what it is, it's a grass that people make lawns out of. Some people do. And I look at that and I think, God... I really did think, God, what parts of my life have I let get overgrown? What spiritual weeding do I need to start doing in my life? What are the things that while I wasn't watching? You know, Jesus told a parable. He said, while they slept, the enemy came and sowed tears or weeds. Let me ask you the question for you. What spiritual weeding do you need to start today? Some of us are trying to get fruitfulness, but our garden's full of weeds. Condemnation has taken up residence. And, you know, once you start with condemnation, once you give it a voice, you're never good enough. The answer to condemnation is not holiness, because you'll never be holy enough. The only answer to condemnation is to point to the cross and say, Jesus paid it all. Is worry started to infest your life? Maybe everything you hear and you read is just simply pouring fertilizer. I've weed and feeded my lawn. And the only thing that got fed was the weeds. They flourished. Woo! Fertilizer, yeah. Is disappointment or bitterness? Is that springing up in your life? And what? No wonder fruitfulness gets to be a struggle. For Adam, fruitfulness was not the result. Please come. Fruitfulness was not the result of doing anything else other than standing guard against disorder and saying, not here, not today. And I just believe there's people here today in this service and you need to put your hand up to that stuff in your life and go, not today, not anymore. I've worried my last worry. I've had my last sleepless night. 
I've tossed and turned for the last time. And I'd love to tell you that we're going to pray in a minute and your life will just instantly be better. But I spent a day and a half pulling Coochie out. So I know that probably you're weeded today and that same week because you're going to left a root there and it'll spring up tomorrow and you've got to go there. How many times you, how many times you got to do that? Until you pull the weeds out. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us today. Every one of us wants to be fruitful. We want to enter into that rest that remains under the people of God. We want, Lord, that our lives aren't about trying harder, more struggle, trying to be godly enough, good enough, great enough, clever enough. God, we really want today that we'll be like Adam was before the fall, holding up a hand and saying no to disorder. That we'll be like Jesus' disciples who were taught from now on. Say no to all those things that simply choke the life out of the fruitfulness God intended for you. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to people today. I don't say that because it's what you say at the end of the preaching. I say it because I'm conscious of right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to individuals. And maybe nobody else knows what it's about but you. And he's saying, come on, it's time to pull that weed out. Come on, it's been there long enough. And he doesn't say that out of condemnation. He says it because he wants something to shine and to flourish in your life. He wants something that you'll look at and go, wow. He says it's time to pull out. Father, would you help us today in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to sing it together again. Just stay seated if you like for a minute. All my life you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so good. He won't stop. He's going to continue to be faithful to you. So we will sing. Been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the good. stand with me this morning and just say to the Lord as we sing it God I'm going to let you start to pull out some of those things that I've let grow worry disappointment, hurt stand with me if you want to this morning, come on every breath that I am able I will see of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. 
been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Just before we sing it again, maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're online with us today. You say in your heart, Jeff, I wish that was my story. The Bible says there's a saviour who loved the whole world. I couldn't do that. I can't even love that many people, quite frankly. But Jesus, somehow or other, could even look down the tunnel of time, see people not yet born, and go, I love them enough to die for them. No one else has ever done that. There's not a religious figure you can name. There's not a guru, not someone called a God. There isn't any of them, not one. Not one that ever said, I love you so much, I'll die for you. The only one, the only one, the only one is Jesus Christ. And He said, I love you. And His love wasn't a long distance love, a long way away and hope you make it kind of love. It was a I'm coming to where you are kind of love. He says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. He said, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. Why? He said, I want to come in. Imagine that. Imagine a God who doesn't want to stay away from our brokenness and our filthiness. He doesn't want to stay away from our ugly bits. He says, no, I want to come in. Now that's a Saviour worth following. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is your moment. Or if you have, but somewhere along the way you stumbled and lost your way, why don't you say yes to Him again today? Online, it's so easy. MetroChurch.online, there's the Yes tab right there for you. If you're in the building or you're anywhere in the world, you can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Yes.metrochurch. Send in just three letters, Y-E-S. If you're in Australia, you can do it by text at 0488826392. What we'll do is from there on, we'll never write and ask you for money. We'll never spam you. We'll never harvest your data. All we will do is we will send you a Bible verse every day and a prayer every day, different every day for 30 days because we want you to get to know Jesus. Father, help those people, whoever they are, know today, I know today, Lord. I know there are people that need to say yes. They've been hesitating. They've been wondering. They've been thinking to themselves, well, yeah, but what if I don't have the strength to carry it out? And Lord, you're saying to them today, trust me. The one who died for you is the one who's able. Lord, help them today as they say yes to you. 0488 or the Yes tab on Metro Church Online. Help them with it, I pray today, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on.
for us. Yes, it is. Come on. Your goodness, Lord. Yeah. Come on. Let's believe for that. This week, His goodness is going to chase me been so, so good. With every breath that I have made, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done. We are grateful, Lord, for all you've done. We're grateful, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pastor Bruce is waiting online to minister to people that need prayer. If you're in the building and you'd like prayer, come down the front. Some of us here would love to be believing God with you, praying that Jesus will touch your life, praying for every need to be met, Let's make sure this is a week where we weed out some of the things that bring disorder. Amen. Say, God, I'm going to let fruitfulness flow. 